Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It is Monday, October the 31st. 2022. What a blessing it is to be with y'all this morning. I hope that everybody had a wonderful, wonderful um, weekend. I hope that yesterday found you in a Bible-believing church somewhere, um, and I hope that you have an excellent, excellent week lying ahead. Now, of course, today is October the 31st. I've seen lots of things about kids being careful. I saw one person saying, be careful to check your kids' candy, and uh, they pulled the candy apart, and there was a message inside that said, we're checking about your car's extended warranty in there. So anyway, now, of course, it's, it's Halloween, um, popularly by culture, and I've received some questions about that. And um, it's this is not what the devotional is about, but um, you know, there, there are lots of different ways to look at this. I, I, I don't go the, um, the uh, I don't know any other way to say it, but like the ultra fundamentalist um, route where it's like, oh, Halloween, we can't say that. All we can say is happy Reformation Day and all that stuff. Y'all, <clears throat> anyway, enjoy the day for what it is. Remember the Reformation today, right? I'm not going to go down some rabbit trail where I quote, you know, past fundamentalist pastors that sensationalized Halloween. And if you uh, even say the word that you're guilty of witchcraft and all that stuff, life is too short for that, y'all. That's, that's not the world that we live in. Enjoy the day. Remember the Protestant Reformation, though. Um, Martin Luther in 1517, the monk, not the king. Um, Martin Luther, the monk, um, nailed his list of 95 grievances, his 95 thesis, um, to the door of the Wittenberg Castle Church in Germany um, on October 31st, 1517, and many consider that to be the start of the Protestant Reformation. I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. However, it is Reformation Day, and we ought to be grateful for the story of the Protestant Reformation. This goes to show you that no situation is too far gone. Just goes to show you that God can intervene at any point, at any time, and absolutely change the world. He doesn't call on us to know the future. He doesn't call on us to have all the answers. He calls on us to be faithful, to obey, and to leave the consequences to him. And if you'll do that, it's amazing what the Lord really can do. So remember those things today. I'm excited about where we are today because we're picking up in chapter 12 of the gospel according to John. Now realize where we're picking up, okay? As I mentioned last week, we're really starting to make some ground in John because the way that John works is you have Jesus maintaining what's called the messianic secret, right? Where he's performing the signs, where he's working wonders, but then he's um, withdrawing back right? You, you have him telling people who he is, but not publicly broadcasting who he is um, for the main reason that his time had not yet come. He had not fulfilled the law yet. He hadn't fulfilled the prophecy yet. It wasn't time for him to die. Let me just be terse about it, because Jesus knew that as soon as he revealed who he really was, it wouldn't be long thereafter that they would kill him for it. That's just the truth. Right. So what you find in the gospel, according to John, it's like the old roller coaster, right, where it's slow going up. And then once you press the top, it really takes off in terms of timeline. OK. And 
the point that that happens, in my opinion, is the triumphal entry. Okay, we talked about that last week. That's where Jesus goes into Jerusalem as the conqueror. And indeed, he did come as the conqueror, though he didn't come to conquer Rome. He came to conquer sin and death forever, right? To conquer hell forever um, and to provide redemption for his people. It's at this point when he really comes on the scene, publicly speaking. He's performed the signs, the last of which is Lazarus being raised from the dead. Y'all, these things, you can't ignore them anymore. The Pharisees, the Jewish leaders couldn't ignore them anymore. So they got to do something with Jesus. We found out last week, they not only want to kill Jesus, they want to kill Lazarus too, just because of association. They are on the war path, okay? And where we left off the last time around was Jesus, after he had predicted his own death, he's addressing the crowds, he's addressing the Jewish leaders. And it's not going to be long after this that they come for him. And they're going to come for him hard, okay? But we do have this interesting interchange going on where Jesus confronts the people. That's where we pick up today. Let me pray and we'll dig in. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all of its truth, for all of its glory, for all of its challenges to us. Even today, though we read about something that took place 2,000 years ago, we're challenged by it. Challenge to examine ourselves, challenge to examine our testimony and our willingness to testify for your greatness. So please, guide us now in this time. Help us to see the truth of your word. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So the last time that we were together, we made it through verse 33. This is after Jesus just flat out tells the people, right? He tells them that he is going to be crucified. He doesn't use that term, right? But he does talk to them about how he's going to be killed, how he's going to be lifted up. They knew what he was talking about, okay? They, they knew that he meant crucifixion. The text betrays that. It says that he told them these things so they would know the manner of death in which he would die, right? So we left off in verse 33. Where we're picking up today is in verse 34 with the crowd responding to Jesus. After Jesus has said he's going to be lifted up, he's going to be crucified. Listen to their response. It says in verse 34, the crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Christ will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? All right. Now, got to be careful here. Um, the term Christ and Messiah are used interchangeably. If your translation says Messiah, when they said that uh, we have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever, that's fine, right? There, there's really no difference here. The question is, what's going on? The people have said, whoa, wait a second. And they're right. There's nothing wrong with what the people have said. If you go back and you look through Isaiah, if you look through the prophecies of Moses, if you look at Genesis chapter 3, you see that the Messiah is referenced, right? Genesis 3 is the first place we see the Messiah. And what does it say? says that the serpent will strike his heel, but he's going to crush the serpent's head. When you go to Isaiah, you're going to see that he's going to be the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And you'll see that his government shall know no end. Now, based on a surface level understanding of those verses, it certainly does sound like that once the Messiah is here, he ain't going anywhere. That the Messiah is going to come, the Messiah is going to save, the Messiah is going to deliver, and he's just going to keep on reigning. However, 
this represents a very simple understanding of what God's word says about the Messiah, of what God's word says about the one who will be seated on David's throne forever and so forth. It doesn't leave room with this basic cardboard understanding of how to interpret God's word. It doesn't make room for the nuances of the gospel. It doesn't make room for the mechanics of how these promises will be fulfilled. Which, speaking of that, y'all, we got to be very careful of something, right? And that is a wooden understanding of Scripture. There are some things that we do understand very woodenly. In other words, there are some things that are just carved in stone, black and white, not going to change. Oh, I don't know, Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments. Don't murder people. Y'all, it ain't that complicated. The Bible says, hey, don't do this then don't do it, okay? <laughs> There's some things that we do take very firmly. However, there are some theological nuances to God's word that require some levity, that require us to look back and say, oh, okay, now I understand what it meant when it said that David would have a descendant on the throne for all time. Because I understand that the throne is not a throne in Jerusalem. It's a throne in heaven. Right. And the only way that we know that is by interpreting scripture by scripture, by understanding scripture in light of scripture. That's just one example. There are so many. I'm not saying that God's word doesn't say what it means and, and, and means what it says. However, I am saying that sometimes we have to apply ourselves. We have to really apply God's word if we're going to understand what it means. Because if we don't, then that makes us one of the crowd here that says, wait a second, you can't die. The Messiah is supposed to reign forever and ever. See, their wooden understanding, their hard, fast understanding of how to interpret Scripture would not allow them any latitude in understanding that there was a much greater meaning in God making that promise to David that there was a much greater meaning in what Isaiah said about his kingdom shall endure forever. They didn't leave room for it. Guys, and I'm not saying that revelation is continuing or anything like that. What I'm saying is always interpret scripture by scripture. Don't just take a single verse and run with it and form an entire massive catalog of thought based on one idea. That's what the people are doing here. And as a result, they didn't understand. Or they wouldn't understand. You know, one of the things that's going on here, and, and John doesn't reference it, but between Malachi and Matthew, we see all of this apocalyptic literature and prophecies coming out. And in these apocalyptic literature and, and, and prophecies, what you find is two main characters. You find the Son of Man, and you find the Christ, or the Messiah. The Christ or the Messiah is the political deliverer. He's the general that's up on the hillside watching the battles taking place. And then at the end, he remains victorious. He's the conquering emperor. But then you also find the son of man. He's like the William Wallace, right? He's like the sergeant that's down in the ranks. He's the one that's bloodied and fighting. At the end, the son of man dies, but the Messiah continues on. See, they see the Son of Man and the Messiah as two separate people. Jesus is saying that he's one and the same. They have no room for this. <clears throat> Excuse me. They can't begin to contemplate this. Why? 
Well, personally, I think it's because they had in mind the things not of God, but the things of men. They were focused on what they thought the Messiah ought to do, namely, deliver them from Rome. And so, if the one they think is the Messiah comes around and says he's going to be crucified, that just doesn't fit into their narrative, mainly because only Rome could crucify somebody. It was illegal for the Jews to crucify anybody. That was a model of execution exclusively reserved um, to be carried out by the Romans. And so they're adding up things in their head and they're saying, okay, Messiah is supposed to do all these things supposed to reign forever, carry the two, and then the Messiah says he's going to be crucified by Rome? How, what about this up here? What about him delivering us from Rome? It, this doesn't make sense, Jesus. You see, they had in mind the things not of God, but the things of men, just like Peter. Just like Peter in Mark chapter 8, when Peter confessed that Jesus was the Christ. And then Jesus turned right around and told him how he was going to be crucified. And Peter began to rebuke him, saying, you can't do this, Lord. And Jesus had to say, get behind me, Satan, because you have in mind not the things of God, but the things of men. I think that's what's going on here. Now, how does Jesus respond to this? Verse 35, then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he is going. Put your trust in the light while you have it, so that you may become sons of light. When he had finished speaking, speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. So what's Jesus' response when they say, who is this son of man? Well, he doesn't delineate it like we might want him to. He's not hiding anything. He doesn't deny that he's the son of man, and he doesn't deny that he's the Messiah. Instead, instead of Jesus going down this logical road with them and telling them all sorts of things, they're not going to believe anyway because he knew what was in their hearts. Instead, he calls on them to believe, to put aside their prejudices, to put aside their preconceived notions, and to place their trust in him. That's what this whole business is about, light and darkness. He says, hey, look, the light's here only for a little while longer. I'm only here with you for a while. Put your trust in me so that you will have the light, and then you won't be in darkness. But if you refuse me, if you turn away from me, you will inherit only darkness, and you won't even know where you're going. Jesus' response was not to sit down and give them a theology lesson Jesus' response was for them to believe. My friends, the same challenge, <clears throat> excuse me, lies before you and me today. It's complicated sometimes understanding the Lord. Sometimes the Lord does not do the things that we think he ought to do. He doesn't deliver in the ways that we think he should deliver. I mean, you know, oftentimes the Lord doesn't fit into our plans. And praise God for that. <laughs> if you look at your plans and if you look back over your life, you know, Garth Brooks wrote the song, Unanswered Prayers, right? The chorus goes, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. And he says that over and over again because he recognizes that there's all sorts of things that he prayed for that if God had said yes and given him those things, his life would be so terrible or it wouldn't be nearly as rich. 
you know, that's what the Lord calls us to do. As we're going to see, um, verse 37, we'll start here tomorrow. Even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. Why? Because he didn't fit into their expectations. They missed him. They missed him. Make sure that's not happening with you. I know that's a theme that we keep coming back to over and over again, but it's so relevant to what we're studying here. They had the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in front of them. And what did they say not too long after this? They were given the option of having Jesus and they chose Barabbas. They chose the terrorist. Okay. Um, Y'all make sure that you don't fall into this. So many people, when given the choice to follow Jesus Christ, they choose the terror of the world instead, the answers of the world, the promises of the world that never fulfill. The world never delivers on a thing, not one thing. Don't miss Jesus. Don't miss him. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you've given to us today, and we thank you for the story of Jesus Christ, wherein we can find ourselves. But Father, let us be found among the faithful, those that trust, those that understand that you are always working and that your way is best. Forgive us for when we doubt. Draw us to yourself again and again. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. I see we've got Alice. Good morning. And Becky's in Greenville. Good morning. And then there's Monica. Yes. Happy Reformation Day to you and eating Halloween candy. Absolutely. I'm a Milky Way Twix kind of guy there. So thank you very much. There's Becky. And then there is Christine and Wayne. Thank you so much, my friend. Yep. Yesterday was a was a blessing to me too. And then there's Elizabeth and there's Jack and Patsy. Good morning. Thank you so much. It's great to see y'all with us live right now. now. Again, thank you all for being here. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning at seven. Until then, have a great Monday.